Hello and welcome back to another episode of Flat News with Moose. Today I have with me Owex Shin-chan. Hey Shin-chan, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing very well and super excited to have our chat here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Alright then, without further ado, like, I would like to hear about your crypto origin story. Right? Um, how, how did you get into crypto and especially now I understand you are full-time in crypto as well. So let's hear it from you. Yeah. So, um, if uh, like for my crypto journey, actually it dated back to like twenty sixteen. I would say like twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen, um, when I was still in the university, and um, my friends in the uni they um they were actually associated with some kind of like blockchain clubs, and then uh, they started to read some white papers on Bitcoin. And then um, they told me like, um, you know, Bitcoin is a next um, type of like gold and uh, commodities that most people will fight for. So you got to um, like ape in um, for now before uh, the price went up. And at that time, it was my first time that I got to know the existence of Bitcoin and what it what 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 the purpose it was for but then i'm i was a little bit hesitant because i'm not sure about like the adoption and how people are actually how, how people were actually using it for and i don't see like a really like a product market fit at a time so i was a little bit dubious i just like um, bought a little bit because my friends had been asking me to do so and um i just put it there and then uh i i, I was like yeah i would just um wait and see how things go and then i i guess like it's in 2019 um that we really the the start of DeFi summer and especially with the with the launch of bnb chain afterwards and also with PancakeSwap, that i really started to understand more about cryptocurrency and ethereum blockchain and decentralized finance and how staking and tokenomics work in a more broader sense and i think the first protocol that i actually play with was actually PancakeSwap. so back then um when when you had the kick tokens then mm -hmm. you can do some like sticker and kick i'm not sure if you did that before like back in the early stages and um you know that was offering like 100 to 200 percent apr and and there was like I, I, you know, I was thinking like, well, how come I, I could get this type of like free money so easily by just getting tokens and I'm, I'm getting some additional tokens back. And, and then I started to really wanted to understand what's the uh, mechanics behind and how a protocol actually started, how they did fundraise, how they do marketing and BD and how they expanded the concept and also their products to the community and finally how they sustain the products with um, different value proposition and different maybe niches and yeah that's how it gets started and then I, I would say back in 2019 to 2020 the DeFi market was not that sophisticated it's still at its uh, premature stage, um, all the trading features and um, available products were kind of limited. Um, you know, people were people were like more on like simple token swap and liquidity provision, and also maybe like staking. But it's not like now when we have all the rolled up solutions, we have perps and we have some more sophisticated um, trade five products like um, interest rate swaps and stuff like that. And then I was wondering like, instead of just um, being a normal trader or liquidity provider on a platform, I actually really wanted to um, contribute to maybe community or maybe to um, like writing to understand how really blockchain works and and why do we need it right so um starting from 2021 i actually um like joined different um crypto um telegram groups and also discord servers starting to chat with different um protocol 
founders and core team. And then I I literally told them like, um, you know, I'm really interested in DeFi. I have been researching on the protocol tokenomics and your products, and I really wanted to um, get involved. So if you guys are looking for some something like um, some some roles, like maybe um, freelance writer or intern, I am happy to help out. And that's how I, I get started on my crypto um, journey. But then um, after I graduated from the university, I felt like I I got to find a really stable job, and um, at that time, I think it's after the um, ICO bubble, and and the market was not performing pretty um, well, especially in the crypto space. So I actually got into the um, government job in Hong Kong, and I was thinking like, well, I. Well, I, I can do trading and do all the crypto stuff, maybe um, as, a, as a hobby, as some, I, I just to play with it in my leisure time, but I need a really reliable, stable job. But after seeing um, the rise of um, more layer ones, um, especially with Solana, and then I, I felt like I, I it's, it's really my interest and, and I really wanted to get a job in cryptocurrency. And so that's um, up, about two years ago, I got started um, in a venture capital in Hong Kong and mostly on uh, marketing advisory and, and PR services. And yeah, that's um, how, how the entire um, crypto journey was. And maybe just um, the last thing is that uh, currently I am with um, Kobo. So I'm the BD of Kobo and Kobo is actually the um, only custody solutions for digital assets. And they do like off exchange settlement, um, MPC and also hardware um, custody. And they have wallet as a service. And I'm actually responsible for Kobo Argus. And basically Kobo Argus is the um, on-chain asset management platform within the Gnosis Safe multi-sig wallet. And what we offer is that users, they're able to, um, within multi-sig, they're able to perform single signature and role-based control and also exercise different strategy bots for trading and farming and even emergency exit. Yeah, so that's um, like a full story of how I began my crypto journey. Nice. I mean, that's really interesting. I didn't know that you started like way back since uh, 2015, 2016. Are you still holding on to that Bitcoin that you bought back then? Oh, I, of course, not all of them, but <laughs> I kept some of them. But but because I was like a university student, right? So I didn't really get too much of um, Bitcoin, but I actually play, I put them in my cold wallet for now. Awesome. I mean, at least you, yeah. you still have it. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. So I like how you mentioned the, the pancake swap and all, right? At the initial, like, were you playing with shit coins or like altcoins back then, or like just purchasing and staking the cake token? Well, back then, um, first it was um actually I first um got some BNB token first, um because um when Binance was still like um. As was the Binance app was still um, not being like sensitively or legally um, <laughs> um, I would say like usable in Hong Kong that I, I, I started using Binance and FTX um, since they launched actually so I got the BNB token mostly because I'm I was intrigued by their launch pad and um, back then, you know, when they first launched the um, launchpad and also different like uh, football clubs tokens, then you got like um, 20x or 30x when you got the tokens allocation after the TGE. So that's why I hold the BNB tokens. And then uh, after that, um, it's, I, I, it's actually um, between conversations between myself and my friends that um, they were staking the um, pancake tokens. So I got to pancake and I actually play with um, pancake bunny, as you mentioned. So they also do some kind of like octo compounding. And these were more like, um, I would say simple farming um, strategies. And 
when at that point of time, I actually try to understand curve finance. But I think for any newbie who were new to um, DeFi and crypto, when they first hop on that, um, I would say the original platform and UI UX design is kind of like very complicated to understand and also to perform different um, transactions. And, and that's why I mostly focus on BNB chain because um, the gas fees are also cheaper and because it's, um, the, the also PancakeSwap, um, there, there had been rumors like it's um, being backed by Binance or they have close relationships. So I believe they were more kind of like trusted sources of um, staking. Other than BNB Chain, I, I actually got involved also in like Solana and Avalanche, um, Phantom, yes, and also um, the Terra blockchain. Um, I, I guess that's that would be back in like 2020 or between 2021. I, I don't exactly remember, but like on different blockchains, there were there were like um decentralized exchanges of course and they were starting to be more um more sophisticated um trade fight um products actually on solana so i actually use uh, a few of their um d apps and that include um that includes like um friction labs i'm not sure if um you've heard of that so friction labs is more like a options protocol that um you can um buy or sell um major wrap tokens like um bitcoin ethereum and of course solana and then um yeah so that's um that's how that's basically how i been through the um different blockchains i would say yeah but but i guess like um i i'm i would say because i have been in the crypto industry for some time but I feel like for users to actually understand the whole mechanism, it's the onboarding procedures are still quite complex because when you perform a token swap, right, it's not just about I, I input the um, token that I want to swap and what token I want to receive. And also I reveal the sleep page and also um, the, the rate of the swap and that's it. Um, you also have to do some like um, token approval and you have to wait for the transaction to go through. And um, if you are doing liquidity provision, then you have to perform um, tokens and rewards claiming from time to time. So um, I think to me it, it, is that um, by by navigating through different DeFi protocols and performing different type of strategies. And I, I started to like understand the complexity, but also the opportunities behind different DeFi protocols. Yeah. And speaking of that, I was actually the victim of um, FTX. So oh. FTX first, like, but, but, but not that, um, not that a heavy loss for me. I actually, um, with, withdraw all my liquidity except the FTT tokens um, mm -hmm. before um, yeah before they close down but um, yeah I, I got a bunch of FTT tokens because when they first launched they have some like fee rebates if you stick the FTT token so I've been staking that um, for um, um, free tra transaction um, you don't have to pay transaction fee if you stick the FTT token and there's some right. like fee rebates and stuff like that back back when they launch yeah. And I also actually play with um, Anchor Protocol, the UST staking one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I think in, in Terra, they, they, they have a very um, comprehensive ecosystem surrounding UST. So um, right at that time, I was, actually, I was actually in some other protocols as well that you can deposit UST as collateral. You can borrow some other tokens for... Um, LPs and um, landing or borrowing, and they also have um, some synthetics tokens for US stock, and um, that's how you can use UST as a trading currency to um, buy and sell the um, US stock tokens. And oh, actually, one more thing is that um, I'm also I was also um, active in the Cosmos ecosystem, so mm -hmm. um, specifically. Atom, but um, it's very unfortunate that um, back then Cosmo was using only the UST token as the dominant stablecoin. So um, they had a hard hit after the um, FTX um, collapse and crisis, and 
um, what I do right now is that I just stick my um, Actime tokens that I used to hold and um, just um, stake it with the validators and that's it. Yeah. yeah. I think, I still think that Cosmos and IBC always is pretty cool, right? I mean, and you've been getting lots of airdrops with your stake Atom, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they have a they have a very I would say like interconnected ecosystem with some other um some other blockchains. I I was actually with one blockchain like Chi. I'm not sure if you heard of the Chihuahua. So there was a Chihuahua chain so like um using meme coin as the gas fees, and then they also airdrop a bunch of millions of um meme tokens. But of course, it it wouldn't be worth millions, but it's quite like. Yeah, you got a lot of opportunities and also with secret network and osmosis as well mm -hmm. i want to move on to the next question here right i mean since you you mentioned earlier that you're really passionate about um crypto and DeFi, and that you that's why you chose to try to contribute to the community mm -hmm. and, and projects and now you're you're here working full-time in the in the industry right so then mm -hmm. i want to ask like why are you so bullish on DeFi? could you share that with us yeah, I think um it this question actually goes back to the concept of um blockchain. Um when we look in the um, web two industry or traditional finance, we, we realize that um whenever we have to perform a transaction, um our information gets to be known by a third party. Um, just for example, if you are doing like um peer-to-peer -peer, um transaction on maybe PPS or um, some other wire transfer, then you needed a intermediary to help you verify and perform those um, simple actions. And I think what um, blockchain as a whole brings to a user is that um, you can have control of your transaction and you are able to protect your identity to some sense if you keep on staying in um, just like um, the DeFi without connecting to centralized exchanges, of course. Um, so I think that is a very um, attractive way of um, performing peer-to-peer um, -peer transactions um, in terms of protecting your information and also for um, seamless way of immediately sending the tokens. Um, yeah, because um, I, I guess um, it's it's more convenient in the um, day day to day life and also um, trade for market right now to to do trading and transaction. But I, I feel like back then there there would be some like lapse in time when you initiate a transaction and to the recipient getting back um, what you have sent. So I guess like for um, blockchain. It, it depends on the um, token per second and also the block time but as a but like um, I ideally speaking it's like instant and immediate so I, I guess that's one of the things that I find really interesting and also very attractive to retail users and or maybe institutions um, as a whole and the um, second thing is that um um, it's more on the trending um, narratives of um, POS actually. So how we maintain um, the security and operations and verify the um, blocks of the entire blockchain, it can actually um, be executed amongst different um, token um, stakers, node operators and validators. And I feel like this is, um, this is this is um, the spirit of decentralization and how it embodies in the blockchain design. So I believe like it, it is these two elements that drive um, the need for decentralized finance. And that is why I am bullish on DeFi as a whole. And so back to, um, so because of all these natures that I mentioned and back to DeFi, I, I think like um, they've actually um, provided um, many opportunities that you cannot find in the um, in the like real life um, money market and also maybe like stock market and trade fi um, generally speaking and it's more like um, we have the autonomy and freedom to provide liquidity that we want and I am an LP 
I am somehow the market maker, um, although the price is determined by the participants and traders. So this is more like in an economic sense that um, everyone can play a part in, um, I would say, propelling a market movement instead of um, controlling the market. So that's one thing I feel like it's interesting. And the second thing, as I said, is that um, there are different options and opportunities for users to explore. For the most like um, simplest ones, it could be as easy as like um, staking, lending, borrowing. And for complicated ones, you can actually play around with different protocols. Um, just taking maybe um, a swell network as um, as an example. So you can stake ETH for their um, swell ETH, and then you can deposit in in um, maybe Maverick protocol or um, some other DEXs for LP, and then you can earn additional yield. And um, on top of that, you can maybe deposit the SF ETH as collateral to borrow um, stablecoin on some other LSD um, stablecoin platforms. So I, I feel like um, from one single asset or one single action that a protocol provides, it actually opens up the entire um, ecosystem for um, users to play around with. So I think this is kind of um, interesting for to me. Yeah. Right. Awesome. I think there's a very valid points right there that you mentioned. And then but as a okay. follow-up question, right, what do you think is like the biggest challenge in DeFi right now? For example, you mentioned earlier about the um onboarding of users, right, for them to do a just a token swap. It's not that simple. And maybe the on the provision of the liquidity side, right? Like is stickiness a, a problem with liquidity, right? People are always moving their money wherever um, giving the best use. So what do you think is the biggest challenge right now? Well, I think there would be a few challenges that we, we face. I think most recently, um, um, it's very unfortunate that we um, witnessed a number of security events and hacks happening. And it even it's on very like um blue chip protocols, um, including um the previous one on Curve, um, Balancer, and also Ave pausing the pools, right? So I I think these kind of um um issues with um smart contract security and how do we actually can protect users' fund, um in terms of all these events, and it. It's kind of like macroeconomically speaking, um, to the to those who have been experienced in DeFi and also to those who are new to DeFi, it's kind of like um yeah, a, a double-edged sword, I would say, because it's it's about the confidence on whether you want to use DeFi or not after witnessing all this type of um incidents, right? And um I would say this is more on like a market um, performance one, but I think um, back to blockchain, um, the challenges in DeFi is that I, I would say there are two key challenges. So the first thing is that, um, yeah, the, the, on, the user onboarding thing that I mentioned um, is that the when you perform a on chain action, um, you have the, the, the type of security that um, a wallet D app is able to provide or a protocol is able to provide is very limited. Um, to some sense that um, we can see many um, D app um, pages, their um, domains got like um, compromised so that when you connect to the um, fake wallet, when you, you're not you, if you're not aware of that, then your funds may get drained, just like what happened today with um, Velodrome and Aerodrome. So um, I would say it's the lack of um, very well-grounded protection that would deter people in continuously um, opting for DeFi as a yield opportunity and also as a long-term investment. And there is also some like follow-up actions that are available in case of um, ish events, right? Let's say um, when our protocol got hacked, is there any way that we could recover the fund? Um, what's the negotiations involved? There seems to be, um, I, I would say like it, it is always 
depends on the situations and scenarios that um, we, we don't really see a standardized approach in handling all these issues because of the complexity in smart contract. And this to me is maybe a deterrent to users when it comes to the protection of the funds. So um, that's um, that's one thing I believe it's um, a challenges. And, and the last thing it's more on, um, um, it's, it's actually more on the, apart from the user experience side, it's more on the product market fit actually. So um, we see a lot of blockchains, be it layer one or layer two, whether it's EVM compatible. We also see a lot of, I would say, protocols of similar nature, but maybe they do some modification on their tokenomics and product design. The, the gist is that um, whether there is a need for all these protocols and whether the real world and also the traditional finance market and also maybe in the entire um, society, whether they need these um, protocols and what these protocols are trying to resolve and what kind of opportunities they can actually provide users with. Um, so I'm thinking like um, the issue of product market fit in the current DeFi landscape, it's still a, it's still kind of like a, a tricky question for many protocols to resolve. Mm -hmm. Got it. Right, and then the, the next question on the same topic, right, would then be, what do you think is the future of DeFi? And like, how do you think we could get there? Well, I think for now, it's, um, it's more about um, easing the um, user, user experience when they use DeFi. So um, recently, I believe it's the um, most um, Trend, trendy, trending topics. It's the account abstraction. So I think um, simplifying the user flow and also um, understanding the intention and the outcome, and help them manage all the complexities in between. It's one way to get DeFi for mass adoption. And um, the second thing I believe is the. Um, the involvement of institutions. Recently, we see uh, JP Morgan and Citibank. I think they released some news or like research reports on um, using Avalanche mm -hmm. for LWA tokenization. So um, I believe that with more institutional liquidity um, going in the market and how they try to um, bridge back the web three back to web two and make them interconnected is how the way we can get um, DeFi for um, really a mass adoption and reality use cases, I would say. Yeah. Right, awesome. Totally agree with your, whatever you just mentioned, right? Like really valid points there. And just out of my, my own curiosity, right, since you are, you're in the industry in asset management, maybe you have a different perspective. Do you think it's possible where like the institutions are coming in and they are providing like blockchain um, services to, to our everyday users, right? So for example, whatever we are transacting on is being run on the blockchain on the back end, but to, to us on the user's front end, right? doesn't make a difference to us but for for people like us right we're always on chain looking for tokens to buy and thinking what will go up next um do you think there's a possibility that with the institutions coming in and providing and more blockchain services but there isn't a token or, or like something for us to so-called invest in well i think um there, there, there could be like a lot of um, like um, DeFi or blah, blah, blah as a service um, narratives within the institutions. But I guess for um, institutions, um, there are two purposes. So um, first is that um, um, I believe um, many of these um, institutions, they are interested in DeFi, but they are not sure what's the most secure way that they could participate. So they are hesitant or they would refrain from um, many complicated um, operations within DeFi. 
And so that's the first thing that I could imagine. And the second is that um, I believe many um, countries, they are considering the, um, the usage of their um, currency stablecoin. So um, what they are exploring is that a practical framework for their country, um, their, their, their national currency type of stablecoin to be used for um, transaction. But I would say um, these type of um, transactions are more limited within um, authorities and institutions instead of um, really having retail users taking part in it. Yeah. But right. but of course I, I would I would say like um it's still um it's still a norm for of course a lot of like market makers um who are from the um, traditional finance uh, background institutions they are participating on all these kind of actions to make sure that there are adequate liquidity for um, retail users or whales and at the same time they're able to take profit from trading fees and also their position um, rebalancing to some extent yeah all right got it and then i, I want to move on right a little bit more onto to yourself because mm -hmm. like on twitter right you, you share a lot of explanations of certain protocols for example you did one on frax chain recently right and and yeah. so on on Swell Network as well. And mm -hmm. could we understand a little bit more about your investing framework, right? Like what are the factors or metrics that you look at? Or, or what's your, how do you form your thesis before you click that buy button? Yeah, so to be, to be honest, I seldom trade um, like small cap um, tokens, but I know many um, DeFi KOLs, they're very experienced in this. Um, um, and also, um, mostly when I invest in a protocol, apart from the tokens, I'm more on being the LP or performing um, trading actions. So um, that's my approach in uh, using DeFi. And um, I think there's one of um, one of the factors that um, I consider is that um, when I invest in a token, right? So um, apart from its use cases and token design and the fasting schedule, stuff like that, which is very fundamental, we need to see if there is a narrative ongoing and whether there have been like um, a hype in, in those type of small cap tokens. Um, the, the thing that happens with me is that um, I'm always not the very early investor for this type of small cap tokens. Mm -hmm. So whenever I saw that, well, it's happening, like a token is going up because of certain narratives, maybe it's a meme coin or maybe some, um, some small cap tokens that, it's, that, that maybe has a niche or something. It, I, I usually buy at the top and then sell at the low. So, I mean, after experiencing all these crises, just for myself, I, I seldom trade um, tokens. But um, I would say I am more a farmer myself. So um, I provide liquidity to protocols um, like Pandle and Iper and SWEF um, to bet on, of course, um, some future ritual active rewards for users and also for the existing yield trading um, rewards and incentives that they offer yeah so that's more on my personal approach when it comes to um yield farming awesome yeah I mean, it's um, great to hear that yeah, yeah go ahead um, yeah i think maybe just um one thing also about um about like um the GMX V2, the GM pools. So currently they have um different type of um separate um pool for the liquidity providers, right? So let's say you have BTC and also the um USD tokens. And I think like as a liquidity provider, um you are able to get um yield sources um from free streams. The first is that if you are using the stable coin to um, deposit in the GM pool, you are betting on the upside of the 
altcoin that you are investing in. Let, let's say you are, you are using the Bitcoin and stablecoin pool, then you are betting on the upside of Bitcoin. And the second thing is that you don't just benefit from the upside of Bitcoin. You also earn the um, trading fees um, from the protocol. And of course, the last thing is that um, you are able to make profits when the traders lose money. So um, I would say even if um, there is a drop in the price of Bitcoin, which is similar to the impermanent loss that you have to bear when you are providing liquidity on Uniswap, because when the um, more um the the token with a better price performance you will get back with a little amount of that because of impermanent loss so this case um you will have to see if you're able to balance out with the trader's loss which turn into your own profit and also the um, transaction fees that you are able to earn so um i would say it's more like a game theory and also all the calculation of possible yield sources whenever one is doing liquidity provision so that's how i see like liquidity farming or liquidity provisioning um in DeFi works right and, and actually i like that you mentioned that you're a farmer right then so do mm -hmm. you how sticky are you to a protocol with your with your liquidity or like do you constantly monitor rebalance and shift your funds over to wherever pays you better use um let me think actually um well actually for those with um it, it depends actually um so for some um for some protocols that they have a fixed term then usually i would say i'm sticky because i got to wait until the expiry date um so that i can redeem the tokens for the maximal yield and that is one thing with pandal and um and also with um iper because currently providing um liquidity in the iper um STF pool um you can do um octo split between um um the STF and also the iper token but uh because when you deposit the um the two type of tokens and uh, you got to wait for the um vesting to get back the yield that are vested out so um there exists like a specific time frame where you are able to um, like balance out your principal and also the interest. So um, yeah, so the first strategy for me is that it, it depends on the mechanism of the protocol, whether I'm able to move my liquidity flexibly uh, or really not because of some fixed term, um, fixed term operations required. But then for um i would say for now i am i i am more keen on being sticky than moving my funds on from this protocol to that um the 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 reason is that um um i i would say um for me for now um i i'm not those type of like sticky earn kick type of lps but um to really see what what's the most active um traded pools that i can um, pull my liquidity in and just say on providing liquidity on uniswap um, for trading fees so i i think there are a lot of factors that i should consider when i'm putting the liquidity in and how i rebalance my positions instead of seeing a new good farm then i'm gonna aben i'm gonna farm for like the first 12 hours and then i move my liquidity out because um i think this is a very I, I would say this is the strategy back then in DeFi summer that's the most profitable way if you have a pack LP pairs and whenever mm -hmm. there is a protocol launch, you just pull in and then you farm and dump their, to their protocol tokens and then you exit. But for now, I think um, I it's like I have gone through all the disasters and crisis, so I'm being more cautious instead of being so like... Um, um miscellaneous maybe uh, not miscellaneous I, I would say mercenary mercenary farming mm -hmm. i would say yeah yeah yeah. and right. um that's a yeah so that's the that's the thing i have in mind yeah got it i mean then since you're you're an active farmer right could, would you be able to share like what is one hidden or underrated strategy that you've been doing hidden um let me think 
Well, like... currently, I would say it's um, it's actually more on um packed um tokens that I am um I'm I'm doing LPing with. So um, oh, so let me share one 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 strategy that is um simpler and one that is a bit more complicated. So um. For the first strategy is actually on the Sway network, and um, it, I, I'm not sure if uh, are, have you ever been on the Sway network for liquidity provisions? No, I have not. Oh, oh, so um, yeah, it's just like another layer one like Solana, right? And um, they have a lot of um decentralized exchanges and also lending borrowing pools. So um. There have been um, sway incentives provided um, to the top, I think like top five to 10 protocols, maybe it depends on on how on on how the how the protocols are, right? And um, when now if you provide um, PAC LP tokens, let's say um, USDC and USDT on the protocols, they are currently offering like over um, like two digit or three digit APR. So that's in the um, their protocol token of the decentralized exchange, and also the sway additional incentives. And I would say the yield is um, pretty crazy. And I used to stick with the top top one one to three protocols. Yeah. Just a second, let me check because I'm with my laptop. I remember. So the first, I I the, the top TVL um, protocol. And that is a DAX on Sway Network is actually CETUS. And currently, if you are providing USDT, USDC, um, LP on their Uni V3 um, type of DAX, they are giving you APR of 23%. Yeah. So for 23%, you get the trading fees, you get their CETUS protocol rewards, and you so and also you get the Sway rewards. The Sway rewards are actually over 20%. So and um, I, I, I think they have been consistently providing this type of rewards for, I would say, a couple of months. Yeah. So I would say um, it's a pretty good strategies if you have um, stable coin that are idle, but you're not sure of how to, how to use it, then um, this could be a good farming strategy. And um, yeah, so the... The second one is actually um, more, more I would say, um, I wouldn't say complicated, but a little bit cumbersome because you have to um, do bridging and also um, active monitoring of LP. So I'm actually using Aperture Finance um, for their farming rewards on Manta Network. And um, the reason is that, um, so just a little bit background about Aperture. So Aperture Finance, um, they do Uniswap V3 um, LP tooling. So you can set limit order and you can do position rebalancing based on TBL or based on your price range. And you just um, have to input all the parameters in their platform and in case the conditions are met and then it will automatically trigger um, the actions of automated LP rebalancing. So that's one thing. And the second is that Aperture also launched their Aperture Swap, which is a Uni V3 DAX on the Manta network. And um, that's just identical to Uni V3. But um, what they offer is that um, currently their Manta network is incentivizing a lot of um, bidding protocols. Aperture is actually the, the second top um, protocol on the Manta network with over 4 million of TVL. And um, so what you can get is that by providing liquidity on a purchase swap, you will get their Aperture airdrop tokens in future. So that's one thing. And the second thing is that um, because of um, because of their usage of um, Celestia as the data availability layer of the Manta network. And so um, the network is also entitled for Celestia airdrop. So that's the second thing. If you are providing liquidity um, for the Celestia um, TIA tokens. And the third 
incentive is that um, apart from all these two, um, Mentor Network is actually um, launching their Pacific Grants program. So they will be also dropping Mentor tokens to those who provide liquidity in Celestia TIA and also those who swap. So I would say um, performing either token trading strategies or LP strategies on Aperture or maybe some other protocols on Mentor Network, um, you're able to um, accrue some points and also retrospective airdrops from the network. Yeah, so that's the second strategy. And there you have it. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Two strategies by Shin Chan, right? Giving first one mm -hmm. giving 23% on a stable pair, and the second one getting multiple airdrops from providing liquidity on Aperture. Awesome. Love it. All right. And then the next question would then be, what are you most excited about right now? Like, is there a certain sector or certain event, I don't know, certain protocol? Well, I, I guess it's still back to LSD. Yeah. So, um, mm -hmm. because for the um, liquid staking narratives on Ethereum, um, of course, people have been talking a lot about Lido dominance and maybe just um, staking Eve with some other um, top LSD protocols like Rocket Pool and um, Stigwise and stuff like that. But um, I guess um, there's actually an ongoing narrative about the DVT, which is the decentralized, um, uh, the, sorry, the, the, the other DVT, the decentralized um, validator technology. Um, which is a development in the LSD protocols. So um, the thing about um, DVT, um, let me say how I, let me think about how I could um, illustrate it. So basically uh, the, the thing is that for um, DVT, um, for the Ethereum um, network, when they switch towards um, proof of stake, um, one of the concern is that there is power concentration within the network um, because um, this consensus, they reward stakers based on uh, how many ETH they're providing, um, meaning that how the amount of ETH they have staked in the network. And consequently, um, there exists some kind of like disproportionate allocation amongst the EVE stakers, that stands the risk of like um, power concentration. So um, this kind of thing, it's uh, is a concern for the entire network and also users themselves. And this is how I think DVT will seek to um, solve some kind of major issues. And um, there are a few um, major I, 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 yeah, I'm trying to think of a better way to um, actually communicate this in, in an easier way. So um, I would say um, to understand DVT, it's ba basically they are um, lowering the um, threshold for you to um, provide Eve staking because you do not need 32 Eve um, to become the node operator. And um, the benefit is that um, they are democratizing the Eve staking in a sense that if you're a small player, you just are community stickers, you run a node, but you don't have Eve, or if you have just one to two Eve, but you want to become the um, node operator, then there stands a chance for you to participate. And um, with Light, and I can see that like Lido, they recently um, passed a um, proposal to onboard the simple DVT module using Obo and also the SSV network. Um, so in, it, it's a gesture that um, Lido is showing the willingness to open up decentralization, but also to ensure network security um, in the LSD landscape. And I feel like um, DVT, um, this type of technology, um, they plays an important role in enabling the distribution of a validator's responsibility among several nodes rather than a single machine. And um, it also enables anyone to build and distribute validators across um, several fault-tolerant machines. So um, this is one thing that I'm looking into, and I believe it's um, it will be a trend trending narrative for the LSD landscape as it goes forward. Yeah, I mean, that sounds really interesting. I think I'll need to have a look at it after this as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Right, and and then mm. I know you mentioned that you don't really trade a lot, right? But I want to hear like some of your thoughts on the the general market outlook for let's say the next six months or the next year. Where where do you see us going? Uh, like one year from now. Um, I mean, we have witnessed some really um really like bullish um market sentiment in the past few weeks um we saw that like uh bitcoin going back to the um 38k 38k um price level so um that has been like um unprecedented in the past past year i would say yeah so um i think people are starting to gain confidence um back in the market with the price um and the major blue chip tokens um showing improvement but at the same time i think um we also need to there i, I think there are one to two like um factors that determine whether the market will be bullish and go well in the next several quarters um the first thing would be the approval of etf because that's really how um top tokens get recognized, especially for Bitcoin and Ethereum, to be traded in the um, public um, stock market. And that onboarded, that will onboard more institutions and also retail um, investors um, to really get get to trade um, ETFs um, that is denominated in cryptocurrency. And as I remember, it's um, like, BlackRock had a meeting with the um, U.S. departments regarding the listing of the Bitcoin and Ethereum ETF, and they had a memo about that last week. So um, I think it depends on the progress and also the time schedule, which would likely to be finalized in the next Q1 or Q2 or 2024. Then if, if approved, then it would be a really good catalyst for the um, ongoing price um, performance for um, beating cryptocurrencies so yeah that's how I how I think about the market I, I would say it's it could go well but it's, it, it it depends on a several factors and one of the key factors would be um, the ETF right got it like do you think how likely do you think it's going to be approved or, or rejected? Well, I I do hope it will be approved, <laughs> and um, and I think I oh, I don't I don't really recall, but I read the um I read I read a little bit about the memo about it. So I think in in that is is not just like BlackRock, also Nasdaq. They engage in discussions with the um SEC regarding the um the permit to list the um bitcoin etf so um there, i i think there are some spe- there's some speculation is that um the sec when they meet with um these two big parties and they may be close to making a decision on listing the spot um bitcoin etf on the us market so if that's approved then it would be a really um important step forward for the mainstream adoption of crypto for sure for sure yeah all right and we've been chatting for for quite a bit now right i mm-hmm. want to understand a bit more about yourself as well so could you run us through a day in the life of shinchan like how does your day look like uh usually on like weekdays um when i get up to bit before work I usually hop on Twitter and also different Telegram groups to chat with um, different DeFi writers and protocols and also to see if there's any special events happening on the Twitter um, and also on the crypto space. And then um, it's actually then like I, I have a nine to six job. Then after I arrive at the office, then I got to work. And after work, usually I uh, like every Maybe like um, once or twice every week, I would spend time on writing articles about crypto and also writing um, threads um, on X for my um, Twitter account. And that's how like how the weekdays go in my everyday life. 
and on weekends usually I would spend more time with my uh, friends and family and just to relax but of course I have to keep an eye on my money in case I, I put in some money in any protocol and there is an issue then of course mm -hmm. I have to uh, take care of that right but other than that usually I would just um, get to relax because I, I feel like um working in crypto it's a little bit different from web two or traditional market because um, crypto it's operating 24 seven. So you have to be very stay, stay vigilant of anything that is happening. And especially if you are in a crypto company, then you really need to be alert of any foreseeable events that would happen, which would impact on the operation of your company or um, it would, um, affect how you communicate with your clients. So um, I think this is one thing that um, whenever you work in crypto, you, you got to really be dedicated about um, staying informed of the market and also being aware of anything that's going on and take um, immediate actions um, just to protect yourself, but also to like um, maintain for your job, I would say. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You have to be constantly checking the, the news and, and hoping like every time the pack shoe does a tweet and you see a notification, <laughs> you get a little panic attack. Yeah, yeah. Cause um yeah, cause cause right now I am um I'm on like asset custody and also on chain asset management, right? So um yeah, so that that um, I would say like monitoring the market performance and also any events with protocols. It's a major thing that I got to be aware of. Yep. And I mean, we, we've been chatting for quite a bit, right? Let's, mm -hmm. let's wrap up with the, the, the next three questions, right? The last three questions. So could you mm -hmm. share with us one piece of advice for your younger self? Oh, buy more Bitcoin. <laughs> Trust my in, friends and buy more Bitcoin, I would say. I would say, yeah. And then hold on to it until, I don't yeah. know, next 10 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, that's not really a thing. But um, I'm, I'm still grateful that my friends, um like, dragged me to crypto, I would say. Um back in like 2015 or 16 so that I, I actually got a small bag of it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, right then since you, you said like buy more bitcoin right what do you think would be the buy more bitcoin of today like instead of bitcoin well actually I think um I, I would say NFA but I think like um, seeing how Solana performed in the um, previous DeFi summer and also Avalanche and um, particularly with um, institutional preferences on layer ones, um, it would be a, a maybe a, an option to consider to invest in um, alternative layer ones. Um, just to bet on the upside in case of institutional adoption or in case there's uh, ongoing narratives with those um, platforms. And one that I am looking into would be um, Sway Network. But I would say it's more speculative. Yeah, because mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I know that there has been some controversies concerning the um, vesting of the Sway token. But um, I think we've seen pretty good performance of the Sway token the past few weeks. And then they also reach a milestone of like um, surpassing over 100 million um, TVL and also um, major milestone in trading activities. So I am seeing a very bullish um, performance in the DeFi sector. All right. And then could you share with us your greatest lesson learned from crypto like was there a super painful moment that you remember or like it could be a a moment where you you got a really great trade or something yeah i think it's one uh, uh, is the is the theory about nothing is too big to fall um because i i i was the I had been through the, like, the collapse of FTX and also um, the crisis with Terra and also the um, USTD pack and the fall of 
the default of the entire Terra ecosystem. So I feel like um when when FTX um that there were like ongoing rumors about FTX being insolvent, but then they hadn't really um closed down their D app. I I mean the centralized exchanges app. Um, there people are still like very confident about um FTX. They said something like, "No worries, um, FTX is gonna be fine because mm-hmm. it's the largest um cryptocurrency platform. How 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 dare you think it it would fall? But then it did fall. So one of the lessons that um biggest lessons that I learned is that um nothing is too big to fall. But um I would say this is just like a a realization instead of like preventive measures that you could take because um when not just you as a retail user but also big companies funds trading teams and venture capitals and institutional clients they all actually invested in ftx and also they put in um big liquidity in that so um i would say um we we got to be very um cautious about um liquidity and also make safety exit in case of um unpredictable events so that's um that's one thing and the second thing i would say so because as i mentioned i'm not really good at trading right because i i feel like trading is a very self-disciplined practice um if you trade at a token you have to understand um it's um at performance in instead of in, in terms of their price chart, um, you may need to set a very tight stop loss and also take profit. And I'm not those kind of person because I I experienced the upside of like Solana and, and Luna maybe. So um I I always tend to like believe in like just strong holding a token and you will go like 50x or 100x. So um one of the lessons I learned is that never just to stronghold for no reason. You got to set um, stop loss just to um, protect your principal. And also you got to set a take profit position in case if you are earning money. Yeah. I think these are two really relevant and, and useful lessons for, for everyone, right? Even for myself, right? You mentioned about the FTX being too big to fail. I, I, I'm guilty of saying that as well, right? I, and I purposely left like $100 in there, refusing to take it like, ah, it'll be fine. <laughs> Just purposely left it there like as, as a kind of so-called bet, right? That That's going to be fine. And then it, it didn't happen, right? Obviously. And yeah, it, being my first cycle, right, in, in here, definitely made the mistake of diamond handing and round tripping all the gains mm-hmm. right so yeah i really like yeah. the the lessons that you shared here super relevant for myself and i'm sure for many others as well yeah 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 i, I mean like trading can sometimes be very sentimental that um you just want to buy more because you were confident in something and when many people are talking about this at the same time then you might get like um impacted into making decisions that you may not be making initially right yeah all right then to to wrap things up um could you give me three guest nominations to come on my podcast in future um i would say as uh as putman defy mm-hmm. uh yeah so um yeah he's a very um he's a very dedicated researcher and also very um prolific in terms of um f- fretting about um key narratives and um also tokens that um users can consider to invest in and also he did a lot of deep dive into very sophisticated um topics like um CLV USD how it works and I think he also covered on some like uni v free um options protocol that um not a lot of people are aware of so i think um that's the first nomination i would um yeah i would i would make and um the second would be um jingling cookies that's a good one yeah yeah jingling cookies um i'm not sure is uh he or she 
but um because the, like uh, cookies reminds me of more like a feminine touch but mm-hmm. um anyway um oh she i i like her um telegram channel so yes. um she has a telegram channel that um it's like um constantly updating every um 15 to 30 minutes that um she aggregates um um some important um insights um about the five protocol and also infrastructure and yeah she she has one recently that is about some like hardware acceleration with um some um, computing systems and also gpu which is um, really interesting and um i would say the fred and also the articles that she featured are mostly very like degen and in-depth yeah yeah um if i remember correctly cookies is dogs uh, on twitter i think that there's a photo oh. somewhere if you go and dig into it um but yeah i think her telegram channel is super super underrated um mm-hmm. she really shares a lot of she, she she reads a lot right and then she shares all of it on on the telegram channel which i think is really worth a follow i mean uh, shout out to to cookies here um probably gonna link it link that channel down below since we we're talking about this as well really hope that more people will go and sub to it and and you'll learn so much from that channel i swear yeah indeed indeed and um yeah the, the last one i would say um it's um it's he's called coke sun so the handle is coke zero x um but uh, mostly he's in uh he 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 writes about defy in chinese but then i've been um in touch with him before regarding uni v3 strategies actually so um yeah the the reason i would recommend him is that um he covers um very comprehensive content from um token trading and also the recent the ustc the 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 USD classic um, stablecoin token, um, how he thinks about it, and also um, very sophisticated um, uni strategies on LP management. And he he's also running his own um, mirror block, and he shares um, more macro and research insights into infra and blockchains like a seller and also how to do narrative trading and stuff like that so yeah i would say he's a good one yeah i mean i i wanted to look into that thing it sounds like really interesting account to follow mm-hmm. as well and before we go off is there anything else that you want to talk about that maybe we haven't covered yet i think we cover most of the most of the topics yeah all right then um then i think that is all that we wanted to talk about today right um thank you so much for taking the time to come on and thank you to the listeners for tuning into this episode as well so we'll be linking down shin chan's um, twitter down below as well as cookie's telegram channel i think that's really really recommended and yeah we will see you in the next episode thanks for that Mos. that brings us to the end of this episode I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Before you go, do remember to give us a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button so you never miss a thing. Comment down below what you liked about this episode, who you would like me to interview next, or any topics that you want to learn more about. Until next time, this is Moose moving out.